This morning's lesson is entitled, Our Relationship with the World. And um, what I want us to look at is the statement of Jesus, John 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God loved the world. But in return, the world doesn't always love God. Jesus came into this world and died on the cross because he loved us. It wasn't the nails you've heard many times expressed. It wasn't the nails that held Jesus to the cross. It was his love for us that caused him to remain on that cross. If you have your Bible, you might want to open it to John chapter 15. And I want you to see verses 18 through 20. Jesus said to his disciples, if the world hates you, well, you know it hated me before you, uh, before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they'll keep yours also. Even though Jesus loved the world and God loved the world, they killed him. They hated him. They wanted him dead. They sought from the time he began teaching. They sought for ways to put him to death. You know, you may not like some people, but I don't think that any of us have reached the point of dislike and hatred and contempt for a person that we spend time plotting to really do them in. That's how much Jesus was hated. And he meets with his disciples and says, well, let me tell you something, guys. The world's going to hate you too. They hated me. They're going to hate you. Because I've called you out of the world. I've called you to be like me. And if you're like me, they're going to hate you too. If you were like the world, if you were of the world, well, they'd love you. But because you've been called out, you're going to face the same thing. A a student's not better than his master. And if they attack me, they're going to attack you. And it's true. We live in a world that, and we live in a society that uh, sees hatred exhibited toward those who are followers of Jesus. And it ranges a broad spectrum. You know, some things are just foolishness. Some things are a little more serious. I remember hearing a few years ago, I don't remember what preacher told this or had this happen to him, but he said he was preaching in a tent meeting and there were a couple guys in the the assembly, and he got wind that they were going to try to disrupt the service that night. These guys were just good old boys. They didn't have any appreciation for spiritual things and, and wanted to just put it to the preacher. And so in the middle of his sermon, one of them stood up and said, hey, preacher, what's the difference between a fool and a preacher? And everybody just stopped. And without missing a beat, the preacher said, that's a good question. Why don't you come up here and stand beside me so everybody can know the answer? You know, uh, he kind of settled that one really quickly. There's, there's efforts to persecute. Why would you disrupt a service like that? 
Um, but then, you know, those things are more mild. There are things that take place. Well, Acts chapter 13, Sergius Paulus is studying with the Apostle Paul, and he's learning about Jesus. And there's a guy there by the name of Elamus or Bar-Jesus, and he is trying to subvert that study so he doesn't come to Christ. And the Apostle Paul struck him blind because of it. And Acts 5, uh, or excuse me, Acts 6, I'll get it right, Acts 7, Stephen is stoned to death because of his uh, testimony for Jesus. Uh, they were so angry at him, they gritted their teeth as they threw stones and, and took his life. Just last week in Chattanooga, Tennessee, one of the congregations there had a discipline case. There was a mother who was a Christian who defended her daughter who was a, a, a lesbian. And she stood beside her in that course of, of lifestyle. Um, they talked to her privately, said, you can't show that kind of support for her. I understand you love your daughter. God doesn't call us to hate anybody. You love people, but you can't condone what they do. She was condoning it. So the church disciplined them. Do you know what kind of national attention that congregation has received in the last week? Do you know how much hatred and hate mail and, and threats have been made against the people in that congregation because of their stand for truth? On Facebook, they have a Facebook page for the church. That, that Facebook page was hijacked, uh, and uh, a guy has control of it now. They don't even have control of their own page, and he puts all kind of uh, ungodly things up on the, their Facebook page. People hate those who try to follow Jesus. So the question that I want to address this morning is, why did they hate Jesus? And if they hated Jesus, they're going to hate us. How do we deal with that? What should our response be toward those who hate us? So let's begin with that. Why did they hate Jesus? Well, they hated Jesus because he was sinless. That's it. He was perfect. And they weren't. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 22, there was no deceit found in Jesus. No guile. He, he was the perfect Son of God. He ne- I can't even comprehend. How can you never even have a bad thought? How can you, you know, number one, how can you not even act on your bad thoughts? But beyond that, how do you not even have bad thoughts? How do you have everything in your life so ordered that you are in harmony with the will of God, whether it's your thoughts, whether it's your speech, whether it was your actions? Incomprehensible. But that was Jesus. He came to this earth. He lived a perfect life. He always said the right thing. He always thought the right thing. He always did the right thing. And because of that, people hated him. They hated him because of who he was. And why would they hate a perfect person? Why would anybody hate a perfect person? Why do you hate people that sometimes exhibit perfection to a greater degree than you do? We get jealous, don't we? 
Was there ever anybody in school you didn't like just because they did something better than you did? Yeah, probably so. That's why they hated Jesus. Jesus, his purity exposed their impurity. When they looked at his life and and all these guys are over here and they're talking off color, Jesus wouldn't engage in it. When they're all laughing and yucking it up over something that's said that is inappropriate, Jesus didn't participate in that. You know, they, they had guy talk in the first century, if that's what you want to call it. He wouldn't have engaged in that. So he's always that guy that was set apart and didn't laugh at the things that everybody else was laughing at. He, he showed a, a sense of self-control and purity that, they, that was beyond them. And they probably viewed him as a prude. Yeah, I can't stand that guy. Always doing right. Thinks he's better than everybody else. Has that holier-than-thou attitude. His purity exposed their impurity, so they hated him. His knowledge exposed their ignorance. Do you remember one time the people came and they said, well, this man speaks with authority, not like the scribes. Oh, we've had preachers all of our life. We've listened to the scribes in the synagogue all of our life. We've heard them preach. This guy's different. This man knows what he's talking about. He speaks with such authority. And because of his knowledge of the Word of God, they could never ensnare him in his words. They tried to create scenarios from God's Word that would entrap him, that somehow put him behind the eight ball. They never could do it. He was perfect. His knowledge was perfect, and he always turned the tables on them. He always exposed their ignorance. Those words, have you not read? Man, those must have been cutting words to those Pharisees and those scribes of the first century. They hated him because of that. They hated Jesus because of his compassion. His compassion shows, uh, uh, exposed their calloused hearts. They had given up on people that Jesus embraced. Jesus went where they wouldn't go. Jesus touched those that they would never touch. He sat down and had meals with people that they wouldn't think of sitting down and having a meal with. He came for the unrighteous. And because of that, because of the the compassion that he was able to muster, that they weren't quite able to muster, they hated him. And you're showing us up. Why are you hanging out with those kind of people? Why are you doing good for them? I'd rather just like pretend they're not there and not, they're not in our social circle and, and let's just do life without them and let them stay on the fringe. Jesus wasn't content to have people on the fringe. He was pulling them into the middle. Because of his compassion, they hated him. Also, because of his absolute holiness, he exposed their profane lifestyles. Profanity has reference to not just saying bad words, but it has reference to taking things that are holy and and just making them common. Uh, You know, you profane something when you take it from a holy and sacred or set-apart use and just use it for everyday stuff. Jesus was holy. He was a perfect reflection of His Father in heaven. He was God in the flesh. When we looked at Him, we saw what God was like that we had never seen before. But these people, they were profane. 
They did the wrong things. They said the wrong things. They thought the wrong things. They, they behaved in ways that were just not godly, godlike. And they hated him for it. In short, Jesus was hated by the world because he made them look bad. That's why they hated him. In him we saw God. In John 1 and verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. If you jump down to verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When Jesus came, and He was the express image of His Father. He was the embodiment of grace and truth. He put flesh to the Spirit being God. What's God like? Close your eyes and try to picture, who is God? What's He look like? We can't do it. It's all fuzzy. You know, I don't know what that is. Put flesh on Him and let Him live among us and walk and rub elbows and, and we sit with Him and we hear Him talk and we see what upsets Him and we see what makes Him happy. We see what makes Him sad. We, we see the way He talks. I get a better picture for who God is. I don't have to wonder now, would, would God do this if He were a man All I have to do is look at Jesus. Did he? Because he's God in the flesh. So that's why they hated Jesus. And because Jesus was a constant reminder of God to the world, they hated him. Romans chapter 1 and verse 28 says, they chose not to retain God in their knowledge. Oh, they knew there was a God, but they just didn't want to think about that. God, I don't want to think about him. He's such a downer. And because Jesus was a reminder of him, the one they didn't want to think about, they tried to get rid of him and did. Now, here's the point. If they did it to him, they'll do it to us. And you've probably lived through some of that, but not to the extent that many people who have, who have gone before us, and maybe not to the extent of those Christians who will live after us. But the world still hates you. As you live and reflect Jesus in your life, the world will hate you. So what, what should be our response to this world who hates us? Well, number one, we need to expect persecution. You know, don't get flabbergasted when you run up against somebody that treats you in an unholy, unchristlike, ungodly, unkind way. It's going to happen. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, the Bible says that um, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 13, he says, um, think it not strange... You know, don't, don't get so tight. When these fiery trials come upon you, don't think it's a strange thing because it just comes with the territory. So, you know, when I obey the gospel and I come up out of the waters of baptism and I'm on fire for the Lord, and then when somebody does something or hurts my feelings or they criticize me or they ridicule me or whatever it is that they do, that shows me disrespect, I don't want to quit. That's part of the package. Don't let that surprise you. Jesus said up front, this is going to happen to you. So when the world hates you, expect it and deal with it. And in fact, 
if you put it in its proper perspective, you can even embrace it. Turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11. I think it's interesting because in, in Hebrews chapter 11, as you get to verse 35, the Hebrew writer has listed a number of people who by faith had accomplished a number of things. But when he gets down to verse 35, it's not all roses. You know, he talks about the successes. You know, they quenched the mouth of lions. They, they were pres- uh, preserved in the midst of fire. All these things where God took care of them and they avoided the, the bad stuff. But look, when you pick up in verse 35, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, Yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. Were tempted. Were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. And then he says, you know, the world wasn't even worthy of these people. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And, and all these, having obtained a good testimony through the faith, did not receive the promise God having provided something better for us that they should um, not be made perfect apart from us. These people were put to death. They were cut in two. They were killed with the sword. He goes down in verse 12, or chapter 12 and verse 4, and he reminds us, these people did all this And you all are thinking about giving up on God and giving up on Christianity, on Jesus. You haven't even resisted to bloodshed yet. These are people who gave their lives. And and what, what? Somebody's made fun of you? Somebody's hurt your feelings? Insulted you? How should I deal with a world who hates me? Expect it. And when I see what they're doing, I can embrace it to the extent that I know that I am overcoming, I'm being like Jesus. My my faith is being tested, I'm stronger, and I'm more like Jesus when I face that and, and don't give up. A second thing that I can do is love them. That's what Jesus did. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. Jesus loved those who hated him. I need to learn to do the same today. Romans chapter 12, a great chapter, one of those chapters that just tells you some basic, practical, common sense, tough stuff to do. But he says in verse 17, repay no man evil for evil. If somebody hurts you, don't hurt them back. In fact, it's not just withholding from doing evil back to him. He says, I want you to get proactive. And those people that treat you poorly, I, I want you to do good back to them. Do not overcome evil. Uh, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Verse 21. I need to love those who persecute me. The Bible tells us, well, not the Bible, our songbooks. I looked it up to see what page it's on. I think it's 358 in our songbook. Um, in 1693, a man by the name of Thomas Shepard wrote a song entitled, Must Jesus Bear the Cross Alone? And it says this, the first verse does anyway, 
Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No. There's a cross for everyone, and there's a cross for me. Jesus bore a cross, and so must I. Those who nail you to it and cause you to carry it, love them. You'll never be more like your Savior. And then the third and final point is live in the world, but don't be of the world. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, we're told that if we love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. In James 4 and verse 4, friendship with the world is enmity with God. We, we cannot be like the world. But don't get in mind that that means we must retreat. Because that's the exact opposite of what God calls us to. See, it would be nice. Wouldn't we like to live in those little Essene communities where all the godly, all the faithful just kind of just shrunk up in our little village and we mind our own business and we let the world be the world and we're going to live and every, all my neighbors are going to be holy and they're going to be good and behave themselves and, and we'll just have this nice little neat community and we can all just be happy in. That's not what Jesus calls us to do. He calls us to be holy, but He calls us to live in the world, but not to be of the world. He calls us to be salt in a world. He calls us to be light. We can't just hide our light under a bushel. It needs to be set on a hill where it can be seen. Love the world, be of the world, or be uh, live in the world, but not, don't be a part of the world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 2, he reminds us, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So I don't lock my doors and just wall myself off from my friends and neighbors, from the guys I work with, from the people I go to school with. I try to exert my influence because I love them, and that's what Jesus would have done. And I can expect that it won't go well, at least with some people. And so when I'm not treated with respect and when I'm dissed and when, when people don't show me the kind of respect that I, I should have, I'm okay with that. I knew it was coming. They treated my Savior, my Master, the same way. I think at the end of the day, what I want to encourage us to do is to realize that if we belong to Jesus... There's nothing that whatever this world has to hold or whatever it offers, if we belong to Jesus, we're going to be victorious. We can't be defeated. And as I try to live like Jesus, there will come persecution. What should we do? We need to man up under it. We need to expect it, not be floored by it, not be... Can you believe what happened to me? Expect it. And then use it as an opportunity to exert your Christianity, to exert your influence, to let your light shine, to be more like Jesus, and let that light shine to those who live around you who need to know Jesus too as their Savior. It's not fun to be hated. No one wants to be disliked. 
but it's worth it. Because there will come a day when those who endure will be victorious along with Jesus. And all these temporary hardships that we deal with in life, man, they'll be ancient history, just a vague memory as we live in joy of heaven. If you're here this morning, you're not yet a child of God, why don't you obey the gospel? Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If you haven't done that, do that this morning. If you're a child of God already and unfaithful, you need to make your life right. You haven't been shining the light to your friends and neighbors like you should. Maybe you've been a bad influence for them. Seek his forgiveness and he'll give it to you. If you'll come as we stand together and sing.